Punctuation matters. Some people enjoy cooking their family and dogs. Others enjoy cooking, comma, their family, comma, and dogs. For the second week in the row, we have John the Baptist, who is being understood according to a passage from the prophet Isaiah about a voice crying out. And in the original scriptural text, there's no punctuation. So there's a slightly two different readings you can have of this text of Isaiah. Uh, first, it could be a voice crying out in the desert makes straight the way of the Lord. So the voice is in the desert crying out to make straight the way of the Lord. A second interpretation, though, could be a voice crying out, colon, in the desert makes straight the way of the Lord which is suggesting that you need to leave where you are and go into the desert to make the way of the Lord. About 150 years before the birth of Christ, a group of pious Jews formed a separatist movement called the Essenes. And one of their communities was founded in the Judean desert near the Dead Sea. And we know a lot about them because of the great archaeological find which we call the Dead Sea Scrolls, right? These scrolls that were immaculately preserved for 2,000 years. And they lived in a community called Qumran. And when they read this passage of Isaiah, they, they read it according to that second reading, that they were supposed to leave wherever they were and to uh, form a home in the desert. So they had formed this community out there in the desert to prepare the way of the Lord. Most likely, John the Baptist was a member of the Qumran community. It's located only two miles from where he was baptizing people in the Jordan River. The Gospel says that John was in the desert when the word of the Lord came to him. That is, he was with the Qumran community in the desert, and this prompted his ministry. So, who are they, and, and, and what were they doing? Likely, uh, John's elderly parents, Zechariah and Elizabeth, entrusted him to the care of the Qumran community when he was a boy. And they believed that the Messiah was coming soon, or perhaps two Messiahs, a kingly Messiah and a priestly Messiah. They believed there was going to be a great battle between the sons of light and the sons of darkness, that angels would fight alongside the sons of light, and that God would then intervene in a dramatic way so that the light would triumph over the darkness. The Baptist testifies to the light, that Jesus is the light. And likely that other John, John the Evangelist, was also influenced by the Qumran community, because if you read his gospel, you'll see strongly that theme of light and darkness. The Qumran community regarded all of humanity as sinful, but they believed that they had been chosen by God to be the sons of light. Now, some of those associated with the Essene movement were married and had children, but those who lived at Qumran were all celibate men. And probably when Jesus speaks about those who make themselves eunuchs for the kingdom, his audience would have thought about those strange people that were living out in the desert. In fact, if we look at their life, it's very much kind of like a proto-religious community of the Catholic Church. So you have these celibate men who are living together, the emphasis of the rule of life is love of God, love of neighbor, and complete obedience to God's laws. Uh, all the property they had was owned in common. They had daily times for common prayer, 
times for each one to do his work, which supported the community. So very, very much like a religious community today. Um, also, too, they practice baptism, that is, immersion in water with an emphasis on personal conversion and the repentance of sins. So where did John the Baptist get this idea? Right? He got it from the Qumran community. And interestingly, they wore white garments, which we still wear today for baptism. Uh, these Essenes also emphasized the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, and openness to receiving new messages from God. Like in our second reading we heard, do not quench the spirit or do not despise prophetic utterances. They were a kind of proto-charismatic religious community, which they believed that God could speak to the members as they were praying and give them guidance. So imagine this is the setting and John's living in this community life, and during his prayer one day, God tells him, you need to go out from this community and you need to go to the Jordan River to preach the coming of God's kingdom and to baptize people as a sign of repentance. And so where John goes to that Jordan River was a place where people would regularly cross. It would be like going to a train station or an airport to preach. John preached to tax collectors and soldiers and huge numbers of people came to him, ordinary people, some people who came to him just were curious and didn't want to repent, like the Pharisees and Sadducees, and remember that John called them a brood of vipers. Well, guess what we find in the writings in the Quran community? That same phrase is used, brood of vipers. When John received this inspiration from God and went out to the Jordan, this would have caused a separation from the Qumran community. Not only did he no longer live with them in that common home, but uh, they didn't think you should go out and preach to everyone the me- this message. They thought that this was only entrusted to certain people. And um, another interesting thing, you ever wondered, you know, John is eating locusts and honey, why he's doing that? Well, the Qumran community, they made a vow never to receive food gifts from people, but to only get, eat food that they themselves grew or gathered. And so he's out there alone in the wilderness, so what is he doing? He's, he's eating what he finds. John the Baptist, the members of the Essene movement, and many other faithful Israelites all agreed on what the problem was. They all believed that the problem was that they lived under a godless pagan government, right? The Roman government. They believed their own religious leaders were corrupt, and they believed that society was corrupt, and that this made it very difficult to walk in the ways of the Lord. And it seemed as if God's promises had failed. I know many Catholics who feel the same way about the society we live in now. The hope of the faithful Israelite at the beginning of the first century and that of the faithful Catholic in this early part of the 21st century is the same. Our hope is the Messiah, the one anointed by the Spirit of the Lord, who brings glad tidings to the poor, who heals the brokenhearted, He sets free those who are oppressed, and he announces a jubilee year and a day of vindication. So they had the same assessment of the problem and the same general hope, but they had some differences on the practical response. And the main 
issue dividing them was to what extent should we, who understand ourselves to be the sons of light, participate in or withdraw from a society marked by profound evil. This is what they had to discern and wrestle with. I know many people who have left California to go to other states that they consider are you know, less far along the progressive decline. So it's kind of a geographic solution. Let us go and, and maybe form a community or be in a community with like-minded people. Some people who live here uh, withdraw in a different way. They homeschool their children so as to ensure the formation and faith and worldview and character to pass on their own to their children. So how mainstream or separatist should we be? On the one hand, we want to evangelize our society. And on the other hand, it seems like our secular society does a better job of evangelizing Christians and getting us to change our views. John the Baptist was very influential among his contemporaries. And he did prepare many for the coming of Jesus. So he engaged the greater society, but at the same time, he spent his formative years, right, prior to his public ministry, withdrawn from mainstream society. Joseph and Mary were always engaged in mainstream society and ordinary life, and they knew how to be in the world, but not of the world. I don't think the powerful secularizing trends that have been going on really for centuries can be reversed except by an extraordinary intervention of the Lord. But before this extraordinary intervention, which I believe will happen, before the extraordinary intervention 2,000 years ago, the coming of the Messiah, God quietly prepares a faithful remnant. People like John the Baptist. Mary, Joseph, Elizabeth, and Zechariah, people like Simeon and Anna, people like those in the Qumran community. We need to intentionally associate with others who are seeking to follow the way with dedication and zeal. We need to follow the path of our fathers and mothers in the faith while at the same time being open to the inspiration of the Holy Spirit who may lead us on an unexpected path. And we need to be okay with not knowing all the answers. I find it very uh, interesting. They asked John the Baptist, are you Elijah? And he says, no. What does Jesus say about John the Baptist? He says he is Elijah, right? He has come in the spirit and power of Elijah to, pre to prepare the, the coming of the Messiah. Remember when John the Baptist is in prison, he sends his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the one who is to come or should we wait for another? John didn't have all the answers, but he did his best to be faithful to what he knew. And we may not have clarity about the future, the kind of clarity that we would like, but that shouldn't prevent us from going about our work with a joyful hope, grateful for the grace of God that sustains us today, and waiting for the flood of grace that will come to renew our world.